This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB News, this is Now You're Talking, the show about the most interesting people and stories in Mississippi. Well, I tell you what, Happy New Year, and what a better way to start this year off than with one of the most interesting people in Mississippi. Today, we're going to sit down and talk with national award-winning and Pulitzer Prize finalist, author, oh yeah, investigative reporter as well, Jerry Mitchell. Uh, We'll talk with Jerry about his three decades at the Clarion Ledger and his new adventures in reporting. Plus, Michelle and I will chat about the latest headlines in the weekend roundup. If you'd like to be part of the show, well, give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. Hey, stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I am your non-Golden Globe winning radio host, Marshall Ramsey. Good to have you today. In fact, I think our guest today probably has won a Golden Globe. He's, God, he's nearly won everything else. God, Jerry Mitchell is in the studio. Jerry and I worked together for like six zillion years, so this is going to be one of those kind of interviews. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll get to Jerry in a few minutes. He's got really some cool stuff going on. Um, he, like me, has transitioned into a new life, and so I uh, can't wait to hear Jerry, what what Jerry's got to say about it. And, of course, I can't wait to hear what Michelle's New Year's resolutions are because— Ah, uh, you're funny. I, you, know, you know what my New Year's resolution is? What? To drive you crazy all uh, year. Okay. Well, you you uh, completed that last year, so I'm just going to add I on to it. that this year. I love it. I love it. Well, Happy you, New Year. Well, thank you. Happy New Year. It's and already been awesome. I know. You know, and I'm smiling a lot today because— because you went one. to the dentist. <laughs> But. Sorry, we're not going to bring that from I know, last year. I know. I know. Not, we're not going to talk about anything from 2018, but um, no. <laughs> The sun is shining. Uh, it's crispy, but not too hot and not too cold. Yeah. And here it's a little hot. Yeah, it's a little warm. But I just, I feel good. I feel great. I feel like I can conquer the world. And I know. Saturday, that's a good this, feeling. This Saturday, this big yellow thing came out in the sky, and I stared at it for a few minutes, and it really hurt my eyes. <laughs> I didn't know I what didn't, that I was. I didn't know what it was. We were about to see Noah's Ark in a minute there. Oh. My backyard looks like oh, a river. Swamp. Seriously. Yeah, I, I went out and like, did some yard work, and I'm literally sinking up to my knees and my yard. I tried to walk in my front yard, and I Ugh. said, oh, let me get out of the sink. Literally, I ran out of it because I was like, I want to rake the um, what is it, pine straws. My boyfriend said, you're going to rake what? It's been raining for 10 days. Do not go out there in the yard. So. Michelle, uh, since we get a break, I'm giving you my address. So you can come on over and get my... I just my... felt like being productive. Okay, is that, just, just checking. Is just that checking. A, a crime? Uh, no, no, no. But I tell you what, about Wednesday or Thursday last week, I mean, I looked out the front door and there were like animals lining up two by two <laughs> to get in the house. I'm like, okay, this is this is nuts. I mean, it's like out with the old, in with the mold. I, you know, I saw that. You posted that. That was I funny. Did. I did. I, you know, I... Have a new gig? I know. Like I said, speaking of posting, I mean, we have a lot to talk about. Oh my God! No, you made the announcement at the end of the year last year, but I if, did. for those who didn't hear that show, let's go ahead and tell them what happened. Well, after 22 years of uh, really fun service at the Clarion Ledger, love them. They're great folks. But I had a new opportunity present itself at Mississippi Today, which is you can go to MississippiToday.org 
and I'm now their editor at large, which I love that title. It's kind of like honorary chairman. Fancy. It's like, yeah, basically the title's (laughs) awesome, not a lot of power, which is perfect for me, as you know. Um, But no, it's great. It's a lot of fun. Great bunch of journalists over there. They've got a great mission. It's a nonprofit. So they're not worried about the the bottom line, Mm -hmm. and they're just worried about the state of Mississippi, and they are fantastic storytellers. And so I, you know, like I said, I've been there three days, you know, in the office. And, of course, you get in, and and you got a brand-new email box that's that's empty, which is (laughs) like, yeah, I had like 28,000 sitting in my last job. I would love to have that right now. (laughs) I need to clean out mine. Oh, it's like the ultimate New Year's resolution, you know, (laughs) made for you. you got to, you know, clean that and, and got a nice office and mm-hmm. a new computer and oh it's just it's great but uh, i will be doing a lot of traveling around the state so you will probably see me somewhere close to your your neighborhood and and i do hope you stop by because we're one of the things that we do at mississippi today is of course we're really big into uh policy and finding out the things that mississippians need to know to make good decisions when we vote and so forth so i will be interviewing newsmakers kind of like what we do here yeah. On the show, except I'll be taking it out on the road, and so just bring them, you know, bring them, pass them on to me, and then yeah. we'll have them on the show. Well, that's the it whole works. point. It's it all going to be one big happy. Fa- <laughs> I love happy. it. Well, that, that was the thing I loved about it because mm-hmm. this job allowed me to take what we're doing here mm-hmm. and to be able to expand it out too. And and because I, I love doing this, mm-hmm. never thought in a million years I get to do this, and uh, so it's worked out great. Got some a few other resolutions. Okay. You know, basically try to be decent dad, try yeah. to lose 100 pounds, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Well, you know, um, like a lot of people say, I don't make resolutions. I just make changes. Um, oh, aren't you fancy? Well, <laughs> I don't know about, you know, when you declare a resolution. I just say I want to be a better me. So whatever that is, because when you say I'm going to make a resolution, of course, most people do the weight thing and or getting healthier and you start off january so tough and strong <laughs> if you go over to our gym right now you can't even get a treadmill you know but check out march april may well the gym June. the gym right now is like church at christmas and easters <laughs> you're gonna see people you ain't never seen before and you're probably never gonna see again but i, I gotta tell you this and and i think where a lot of people go wrong on their resolutions and i know i do this but you just said you know i'm gonna get healthier well, that's about as broad as, as you, you can can't, be. You can't measure that. Well, you you know, I heard one of my ex-employees, he did say, he, you know, we didn't get along, but uh, he said some things, some nuggets that, I st- that stay now, with me. How could no one get along with you? Oh, no. <laughs> I got to... <laughs> It wasn't me, you know. Uh, okay, all right. It's never. No, it's never, never me. No. No, I can't say I had some fault, but no. My point is. Uh, oh, gross. When you I have like exactly, when you have a goal. You uh-huh. need to write it down. You need to make a plan. And I yes. know Jerry's shaking his head because oh, yeah. we can talk about this, especially in reporting. <laughs> I'm about to say he's really going to be needing to make some goals <laughs> and some plans. Well, I can learn a lot from him because, I mean, just – and then my thing, my mantra, a lot of people don't know this, but when you speak things – and we talked about this last year, speaking of last year. Yeah. When you speak it and continuously say it, it makes it real. Right. Writing it down makes it tangible. And then making um, um, your vision boards and things like that – and then goals and um, things, that, or how are you going to get this? How right. are you going to plan? Make a plan. Make a strategic plan of how are you going to get to that point. That's kind of what I want to do this year, and a lot more of that really specific on things that I want to do with my life, change things, add things to my life. How am I, am I going to attain this? So okay, what's, what's our goal? Do. What's our goal for the show? Oh, my God. I mean, you I know what mine is? I tell you what mine is. Obviously, 
you know, we mm-hmm. are going to really strive to get the most interesting guests and get them in here because that's I'm, exactly what yeah, I was going to say. We're growing our guest list. Well, you know what? An- another thing to add to that. Uh, thank first of all, thank everybody that listens to na- uh, now. You're talking with Marsha Ramsey. I'm holding up a thank you note right now. You just have <laughs> I, to look into the radio. I love that you guys are interested in uh, the content that we present to you. But I also want to make it more interesting, and I want to always show how great Mississippi is. How many wonderful people we have in Mississippi that are not just only in Mississippi that have moved away from Mississippi doing bigger and better things. We um, have a wonderful state and we, first of all, we're here so we need to be proud of where we are and not just look at Mississippi as the bottom of the line and the bottom of the um, you know, chapters, you know, things like that. As soon as we turn on Jerry's mic, and I think he'll agree with me on this one, and and I found this during the Barbara Bush and the George Bush cartoon things when I'm on CNN and Mm -hmm. Fox and Friends and, and doing all those interviews when you do something that's big on a national level, people in Mississippi love it and they love you because obviously, you know, you get to hear all the negative stuff all the time. But mm-hmm. when you go out and you represent and Jerry does a gr- has done a great yeah, job this for 30 years mm-hmm. of representing us proudly around the, the nation. But I mean, when you can do that and that that's the kind of stories I like to hear. But also, I just like to hear normal people, mm-hmm. too, and mm-hmm. hear what they're doing, because normal there's there's a lot of people out there that will never get on a radio show. Right. That, you know what, we need to be hearing about their life. Let me tell you an example of that. Baton Rouge, Saturday, was in a door track meet. Got to watch my son run fast in circles, which is a lot of fun, and I enjoy doing that. There was a girl, and I think she may have been from Canton, but I'm not sure. But she was running, and it was the 4 by 100 so it's a relay. So one runner runs really fast around the track two times for that time. She hands it off to this other girl. She gets it and trips and face plants. Mm. Pow. I mean, literally her head hit the ground. She didn't lay there on the ground and feel sorry for herself. She didn't sit there and say, that wasn't fair. That wasn't, you know, I can't believe that happened to me. She popped right back up and she ran down three of the other runners. It was amazing. Hmm. I mean, everybody in the crowd, it was electric. I love stories like Mm -hmm. that. And that's what you're saying. The average Joe do. And I wrote this down because when I come up with things in my head, I have to put it down so I won't forget it. Mm -hmm. We want to talk to ordinary people doing extraordinary things and that is uh, my motto for 2019 ordinary people doing extraordinary things in mississippi that is what we're about on uh now you're talking no 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 no. i'd like to have extraordinary people doing ordinary things i I like that oh yeah you know i'm a pulitzer winner but uh i'm gonna go out and cut the grass exactly that's that's awesome but in a way that's kind of cool too Mm -hmm. when you hear people that are on a big stage like that and you find out guess what they're human beings exactly jesmyn ward for instance when i interviewed her for the television show Oh, my God. Nicest human being on the planet. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, I don't tell Amy this, but I mean, I literally had an interviewer crush on her by the end of it because (laughs) she was just so wonderful. Angie Thomas, same one. Greg Isles. That's my girl crush, Angie Thomas. Oh, Angie. You know what I like about Angie? (laughs) What? She's just, um, you never know what she's going to say next. Exactly. And everything she says is profound. Everything she says, I'm like, that just came out your mouth. She has a this uh, persona and this um, oh she don't care no more energy, but this no. energy she has it's so infectious. Uh, oh, she, she, her oh, smile, yeah. her uh, pleasantness to her, and then the gift that God gave her. Yeah, like she'll cut your throat. No, just, just her writing. Just no. It's just it's amazing, and just to see her grow and expand, it's 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 like uh, looking at your child 
be successful. You're just so proud. We need know? to we need to get her back in we here. Do. We really do. Before just because, she's untouchable. <laughs> she's probably already there, but I mean, <laughs> thankfully, thanks to Twitter, I give her grief all the time. Yeah. So just kind of like I do you too. Yeah. Um, but she's great, and you know what her gift is truly is she, she can see things that matter six months before anybody else can mm. see them. And then put them in a way that everyone can relate to it. Yeah, that's she writes good, wonderful. too. She's a good writer. So uh, that's a real gift. Well, speaking of good writers, we got one sitting right here with us, yes. and we're going to bring him in in just a second. I tell you what, 2019 is going to be the best year ever. It is. I'm it determined. Is. It is. Well, I'm, that's my resolution anyway. <laughs> All right, my resolution is to get to the break, so we're going to do that right now. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio, and we'll be right back. Thank Daniel, Coker, Horton, and Bell and the Mississippi Healthcare Alliance for underwriting MPB programs. Your company can be an underwriter too. Find out more. Go to mpbonline.org/underwriting to find out how. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking with your host, Marshall Ramsey. Look, tell you what, you've heard the saying, out with the old, in with the new. Well, that pretty much is the title track for our next guest chapter. Jerry Mitchell is here to talk a little bit about his past and his future in investigative journalism. And who knows what we'll talk about. Jerry, man, welcome to the show. Well, thanks. It's good to see you. I hadn't seen you in a couple of weeks. And, yeah, uh, you know, only been a few weeks. I know, which was pretty much, we saw each other every every couple of weeks when we worked yeah, together. Exactly. But um, so, and I'm really proud of you. You actually got up this morning and got dressed and, and and got ready and everything. Yeah, I got a shower. It, it is tough when you're retired. I'm doing finger <laughs> quotes here, you know. Well, I got to get up. Because I took like two and a half weeks off in between the jobs. And I mean, I just, by the end of it, I'm thinking, I got to go do something because yeah. I don't even know what day it is. I didn't stop, I guess. No, you didn't. Well, that's the thing. And you've got a great, great new endeavor coming. And I can't yeah. wait can't wait to, for you to reveal a little bit more about it here. I know yeah. you've been talking about it some. And um, for those of those who don't know you, which is kind of hard to believe, because, Lord, well, you've been such a fixture in this community for 30 years. Can't um, get rid of me, apparently. <laughs> well, I know. you. Well, you know, maybe penicillin might work. Yeah, I don't exactly. know. But um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, good grief. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I came to Mississippi, started working for the Clarion Ledger, and uh, uh, right after my 27th, just a day after my 27th birthday in 1986, in February of 86, and uh, had no intentions of really staying. I really saw the Clarion Ledger as just kind of, ah, I'm going to go work there a few years, and, you know. It's the Hotel California. Yeah, exactly. I was, exactly. It was, I couldn't leave. So, uh, but yeah, Mississippi is a fascinating place. And, uh, I grew up in East Texas, which is, uh, very much the South and, uh, learned the difference between the South and the deep South. And it is, it's been a wonderful experience. I, I really love Mississippi and 
love the stories here, love the people here. I, the same thing here. I moved here. I thought I'd be here two years. I was 28 when I came here. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, I'm going to take on the world. And yeah. and it just a combination of, hey, this is a very good place to do what we do. Absolutely. And then also, too, well, the newspaper business changed, and there are no more jobs. Exactly. <laughs> that kind of happened with the editorial cartooning part. But, yeah, it's hard to believe that 1986, you were 26. Now, when the, yeah. mo- when the movie came out, uh, yeah, Ghost of Mississippi. Mississippi yeah, yeah. They, they found like a one of the Weasley kids, I think, to play you. <laughs> <laughs> the pesky Jerry Mitchell. You yeah, know, that you was, uh, they portrayed me as the pesky Jerry Mitchell. I, I remember sending a note to the producer. They told me this in advance, uh, you know, and they, they were going to portray me as a pesky reporter. And I sent Fred Zolo a note and said, Dear Fred, I'm, I'm obnoxious, I'm arrogant, I have all these faults. But I'm not pesky. <laughs> I'm about to say, I've known you. And of course, it didn't yeah. work at all. But anyway, yeah, no, it was um, too bad the guy that was playing you didn't oh. win, win an Oscar because then you could have been there and you could accept yeah, it with him and exactly. said you could you could have told the world I'm really not pesky. Yeah, but now no. you're stuck with it. So. No, it's fine. All six people saw the movie. Now think you're pesky. Yeah, so. yeah it got it got beat out in, in, in the box office by the remake of that darn cat. So you know, <laughs> you know, it didn't do very well. That's okay. That's okay. It was a great uh, story though, and no, you did have a big part of it. What, at what point in your life did you realize you wanted to become a journalist? Um, I wanted to be a writer. I really wanted to be a writer. I, I you know, in in high school, I got into journalism. I was an editor of my high school paper. It was before that, I guess I got interested in journalism, I guess was someone came for a, for a career day thing and talked about, it. in fact, he was barely out of high school. He was, you know, and working and anyway, he just talked about journalism. And, and the reason that journalism appealed to me was the writing aspect. Right. Of it. I, I liked writing at that point in time. I liked writing satire, believe it or not. And I still like it. Um, so that was kind of what I was into is the writing aspect of it. And then once I got you know got my degree in it, got out of college and got into it, I realized that I had I was really a better reporter than I was a writer and discovered that that ability was innate within me of being a reporter and so um yeah I mean, I have, very a, good to me. I have a fairly good idea what it takes to be a reporter, but tell tell the, the listeners a little bit about, you know, what was that thing that you realized you were good at that made you a good reporter? Well, I, I always had an ability to see things, uh, be able to perceive things, sometimes even that other people didn't perceive. Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, in a general sense, it would be the the combination of creativity and critical thinking or, you know. Right. Uh, so I, I think that's probably it. Again, that's a need. I, 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 I can't claim any credit. You know, looking back over the last three decades of Claren Ledger, um, at what time, just think about some of the more memorable moments that you had. Oh, gosh. Um, I remember the old newsroom, and I'm probably the only one who ever worked at the Claren Ledger all those years who actually missed the old newsroom because it was – you know, it would smell like smoke. People would smoke in there, and they finally got rid of that. That was good. But, uh, and, you know, just, you know, the copy desk would leave their beer cans on the sill, you know, the windowsill, and, and they would always have all this stuff on the wall making fun of various politicians and, you know, headlines, you know, that were ran in various papers that were making, you know, that were, it made mistakes and different things, you know, photos, they put their own captions on. And I, you know, I, that was why I, I guess I got into journalism. I mean, it was just kind of this, uh, 
almost like the front page kind of stuff, you know. It was, I loved it. I loved the fact that we, we were crammed into this little tiny space and we had more rooms for file cabinets than we did for people, you know. And uh, I love that, I, that camaraderie and no one ever had anything private in their lives because we knew it all. I mean, it, you know, it just, if someone's having trouble in their marriage, we, we knew every one of us knew, you know, it really was. I was walking through, I guess the second to last day I was there yeah. and I was just kind of looking through. And of course I got there right as the new building opened, yeah. which was more like an accounting office. Yeah, when, when it was I open. hated it. It was just very, very, um, very cold, very cold and, and everything. You didn't have that feel, but still, I've got a sheet of paper that has the staff from, I guess, 2000. Yeah. And I look at it, and I was like, that, that's my family. Yeah, exactly. We we are. We're all family. You and I are family. Yeah, right? exactly. Marshall, we're, I mean, we are. We're all family. And well, it's can, a, I, can I have a loan? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll go loan you some money. Well, um, yeah, it's been, but it's been great. It's been a great run. Yeah. And I've, you know, started there in 86, and, and it's, I, I can't, you know, I, I think back fondly on all those things. I mean, I remember, you know, Byron D. LeBeckwith coming back after he was, yeah. well, I remember going visiting him. I mean, that was wild. Yeah, tell about that because they, they uh, Ms. Beckwith made you a sandwich on the, to go. Yeah, he did. <laughs> she did. Tell she that did. story because I love that story. Well, I, I went up to visit. In order to go visit Byron D. LeBeckwith, Bob, you have to, you have to pass the quiz. And the quiz was, are you white? Where do you live? What are your parents' names? Where did you grow up? All those kind of questions. And, you know, I could have refused to answer, but I knew he'd love my answers. So I, yeah. I just answered honestly. And so he he invited me, you know, said, come on up. You can talk to me. And so I drove to Signal Mountain, Tennessee, uh, you know, and you know that area. Right. And uh, which is just us out of Chattanooga. And spent about six hours talking to him absolutely the most racist person I ever spent serious time with. It was inward this, inward that. And you spent some time with some pretty notorious Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, was, he ended up being the first of a little a line of racists that I, I spoke, spent serious time with, but he was absolutely the most, at least most verbalizing. It. Right. Uh, you know, he was very anti-Semitic on top of, you know, uh, you know, saying the N-word a lot. And anyway, it was just awful felt like I needed a bath after, but it was, but it was getting dark and he insisted on like walking me out to my car. And I'm like, really that that's okay. I, I think I can find my way. <laughs> yeah. And so he walks me out to the car anyway, I actually kind of blocked my way to my car and said, pointed his finger in my face and said, if you write positive things about white Caucasian Christians, God will bless you. If you write negative things about white Caucasian Christians, God will punish you. If God does not punish you directly, several individuals will do it for him. Oh, my. Wow. And then they offer you a sandwich. And, yeah, his wife had made me a sandwich. So, uh, You're like, I think you can guess what I do with the sandwich. Yeah, yeah, chuck it out the window on the way down yeah. off, the signal. off the signal Mountain. He really, and I hate to use this phrase, yeah, but he really seemed to be think he was bulletproof at that point, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Well, he told me that. He, he had no fear and... He he kept telling me the DA was an honorable man, district attorney was an honorable man. He wasn't going to charge him. And Goodness gracious! It was wild. I mean, claimed Lee Harvey Oswald killed Mickey Evers. It was just a bizarre conversation. Anyway, well, how did that? I mean, how did you end up? Because I know you played a big role in breaking that case mm -hmm. open. How did that that happen on your end? Well, to back up in time, okay. Um, kind of what happened was I. 
I'm sure you're like me. If someone tells you you can't have something, you want it a million times worse. Exactly. Right. So Mississippi had something called the Mississippi Sovereignty Commission, all the, uh, the state segregation spy agency, which was headed by the governor. All those records, more than 132,000 pages of records were all sealed for 50 years by the Mississippi legislature. So when I found that out, that detail out, the first thing I thought was, there's got to be something in there, you know, or they wouldn't be sealing for 50 years. So I began to develop sources who began to eventually leak me the files. And what they show is at the same time the state of Mississippi was prosecuting Byron Deal Beckwith, this other arm of the state, the Sovereignty Commission, was secretly assisting Beckwith trying to get him acquitted, and nobody knew that. Wow. So that story ran October the 1st of 1989. And to make a long story short, basically led to the case being reopened and re-prosecuted. That was that, and that was incredible. I'm trying to think, what I've, that was before I got here. Yeah. So was it? What was that? Ninety? Yeah, it was eighty nine. My story yeah. ran in, ran in yeah, 89. Yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't much longer after that. So, wow. So you talk about some of the other cases too, because I mean, I know yeah. Sam Bowers, um, yeah. which you know, I mean, seriously, Jerry, I mean, you've probably gotten some of the more interesting phone calls yeah. over the years of anybody in the calls. newsroom. I mean, I've gotten some good phone calls over yeah, the years. Yeah, you know, I know I, you've got to. The day of the flag vote, for instance, I was getting death threats, and then yeah. uh, my doctor called and said, you have cancer. I was like, that's the nicest call I've had all day. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but, but talk about that, because, I mean, you had um, you had a pretty interesting relationship with Sam Bowers, too. Yeah, he never would talk to me. I, mean, yeah. I talked to him on the phone once, and that yeah. was about it, and. I remember him walking in the in the courtroom. This was actually the federal courtroom. They're trying to get some federal court documents unsealed. The prosecutors were, and so that was the very first time I saw Bowers in person. Yeah, and I had my briefcase sitting under, you know, kind of beneath me. And Bowers walked in, and he had this seersucker suit on, and he looked like this kind, you know, these blue kind of twinkly blue eyes, and his. Uh, um, you know, kind of grandfather-like smile. And he was smiling up until he saw the name on my briefcase. My my wife at the time put <laughs> my whatever decided that I needed this big name tag. That said, Kick me on there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he was smiling so big, and he happened to glance down, and he saw the name, because I know that's what he saw. And then he looked up and just kind of glared at me. <laughs> But yeah, it was it was wild. I mean, all these things that had you know all these it's impossible odds over and over again. And and I'm a person of faith, and I, I do believe that you know the God's hands been been involved in these cases. One of my favorite moments is when I was we were in the newsroom, and and Debbie, of course, Debbie Skipper, who, who just also retired yes, at the same time yeah. you did. Um, I, I just you, might, re- you tell me you want me to tell the story about Deborah's Nicks and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. it's it's. Well, one of the stories is uh, Bowers' right-hand guy was Devers Nix. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I had talked on the phone a number of times with him. And and this is what you learn as a reporter. This sounds real strange. But you actually learn to traffic in things that don't necessarily have anything to do with the story. Right. You You find... You find places of commonality in terms of, you know, kind of digging deeper into how do you get to be a reporter and how do you connect with people. So he liked golf. And so I discovered this one day we're talking and he was watching the Masters or something like that when I talked to him. And I told him, yeah, my dad loves golf, loves the Masters and really wants to go over. In fact, my dad has gone since. 
And so we were just talking about that. So the next time I happened to call him, uh, let me back up a time. So he gets arrested along with Sam Bowers. This mm-hmm. is in May of 1998. He's also charged in the firebombing of Vernon Dahmer. And so we're talking, and the, the judge, he the day he's arrested, he shows up in front of the judge, and he's like, his family wheels him in the wheelchair, and it's like, <laughs> he's got this green oxygen tank, and he's like, I can't take more than a couple of steps without breathing oxygen. And the judge is like, well, normally don't do this. I'm going to let you out without bond. So a dozen days later, this is like a reporter's dream. We catch him on the golf course. Playing golf. Playing golf. But he told me he was going to play golf and what time he would be there. Like, where he was going to play and what time he was going to play. And I'll never forget it. I went to my boss, Debbie Skipper, and said, Debbie, you're not going to believe this. Debra's next is going to go play golf tomorrow. Do you want me to put this in the story? And she's like, no, we're not going to put it in the story. Let's send a photographer. So we got pictures <laughs> of uh, Devers Nicks playing golf the next day. And uh, we ran the ran the photo on the front page and, you know, showed the before and after pictures. <laughs> and he got arrested. So that was, you know, that's one of many stories I can tell. Oh, well, we're, we're visiting with Jerry Mitchell right now. He's an investigative reporter, got a gr- brand new gig, and we're going to have him talk about it as well. If you have any questions or comments for the show, well, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. You can stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Whether traveling through Oxford or Tupelo, stuck in traffic in Jackson or Meridian, or cruising along the coast in Biloxi or Ocean Springs, MPB goes with listeners wherever they go. Your company's message can go along, too. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting to find out how. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Happy New Year. Thank you for been listening. It's always glad. That's my resolution is to be more grateful, and I'm very grateful that you're with us today. Look, I tell you what, if you're just joining us, we've been talking with award-winning investigative reporter Jerry Mitchell. Uh, award-winning, yeah. You pulled, we were Pulitzer finalists the same year. Yeah, yeah. we were. That was great. Uh, that's funny. I now know how the people feel at the Oscars when they lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you try to. Yeah, you got the face. Trying to smile. Right? Yeah, so you almost win an Emmy for your acting. You know, when you lose. I had no. I, I held no illusions I was going to win. You know, because we we kind of found out, or at least I found out who who the other finalists were. Who the yeah. finalists were. And when I found out one of them was CIA prisons, I went, "Oh, I'm not. I'm not going to beat that." <laughs> so I, I really had no. I think everybody else was standing around watching the monitors and, you know, watching the, the latest updates. And I was like busy working on something because I just didn't want to think about it. I just was like, well, let me go on and do what I need to do. Well, this was this was how I kind of framed it all. I was at a football stadium with Nayland Stadium with my dad. And, and I yeah. said, I bet I'm the only Pulitzer finalist in this whole stadium. And he looked at me and he said, I'm the only person who cares. <laughs> like, thanks, Dad. Exactly. I appreciate that. But you've also, I mean. Dad's always bring you. Bring they you do. They knock <laughs> you down real quick. Exactly. You know? But, uh, 
you know, you also the George Polk Award. You've won that. Um, yeah. You've been honored at the Kennedy Center in Washington. That's, yeah. that's nice. Uh, oh, that yeah. was wild. That yeah, was tell wild. us about that. Gosh. Yeah, it was uh, the I Anti-Defamation mean, League. They, um, yeah, Chris Wallace was the one, and Julian Bond kind of co-hosted that. And uh, how cool is that? It was, uh, yeah, I was I was honored with. Um, I'm going to forget everybody's name, but uh, but basically, Sylvie Pajoli from you know, and um, also uh, uh, anyway. I'll think. Of, I think of the other two. Again, the names are like escaping me. But I anyway, Gordon Willis yeah. and um, the guy from the Killing Fields, the reporter from the Killing oh, Fields. Yeah. I'll think of his name in a minute. But right. anyway, uh, really nice guy. And I mean, I just felt like I didn't belong there. I mean, you know, it was one of those things. I was, you know. Anyway, it was it well, was an amazing experience. I mean, David Halberstam would disagree uh, when, yeah, you, when, I, when he bestowed I mean, you the Chancellor was, Award. He oh was throwing. He was. I love this quote. Oh my Mitchell pursued these stories after most people believe they belonged in history and not to journalism, but they did belong to journalism because the truth had never been told and justice had never been done. That's a pretty strong oh, quote yeah. from David Halberstam, I might add. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's the, the. I would I get mean, a tattoo with that quote on my arm. Wow, if it were me, you know. Well, I mean, they, I mean, David Halberstam was so kind to me, and um, kind of got to know him over the years, and was so upset when he died. Oh my gosh, in such a freak way too, freak, a car accident, freak, freak car accident. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't. I mean, I, how do you live up to that? <laughs> It's uh, Halberstam is is you know one of those in the pantheon of great journalists. You right. know he's he's way up there. Well, and it's been you know. I would think it's been fun for you too because you've gotten to know some of the families like the the Evers yeah, family and the Damer family, which are all I mean just from me meeting them, they're just some of the nicest people on the planet. That, and, that's been the real honor. Yeah, that's been the real honor is getting to know the families and you know the families in the in these civil rights cases and and then the families too in the uh serial killer case that I worked on Felix Dale case so yeah that tell tell us a little bit about that because that um you made a huge difference with that well i'll tell the beginning of it sure. the, what happened was i got a phone call from Felix Dale was kind of the last guy with three women that you know like his first wife who supposedly drowned and then these other two women who disappeared uh, they was married to, or maybe married to, or the second one. Um, and so the mother of the last woman who disappeared contacted me and said, uh, had heard me on the radio and said, would you be interested in writing about a serial killer living in Mississippi? And I was like, well, yeah. And so, and so anyway, long story short, she came down to Mississippi and she wanted to confront him and said, look, I know you, you did this. You're, you've gotten away with it, but I know you did this. Right. That is all she was going to do. So I went with her, went to this remote, it's Montpelier, which is about a half hour north of Starkville, remote area. I didn't know where we were going, and I'm just going with her. And so we go to his place. His gate's locked. She hops over the gate. <laughs> wow. So I followed her. Yeah. And we get finally get out through these woods and weeds and out into a clearing and there's a you know kind of a new trailer she knocks on the door and there's no answer and by this point i'm kind of trying to take in my surroundings you know what i yeah. mean it's like looking at the woods is this guy around somewhere is he really in the trailer but he didn't answer and and next thing she's headed off to this older trailer which you can tell the front windshield's missing there's plywood behind it 
And so she gets over there before I even get over there, and she discovers that the back window is missing. So she crawls in. <laughs> and then she opens the front door so I can see in. And she starts rummaging around. Next thing I know, she throws out a machete, and it clanks on the floor. And then another machete, and then another machete, and then all these swords. And I'm like, what have I just gotten myself into? <laughs> so that was kind of the beginning of that story. And um, she had a copy of the autopsy of the first wife. So one of the first things I did after I got that copy of that was I sent it to Dr. Michael Bodden, who's I've gotten to know who did the second Negro Rivers autopsy mm-hmm. and, and others, other autopsies. And so, and he, and he emailed me back and said, this is uh, this is a homicide. Wow. So, so there you go. And that's the thing. I mean, and you and I, I think one of the things I've enjoyed about working with you through the years is you and I just would catch each other and have a conversation about about things going on, about the media business and everything else. And obviously the media business is changing at a pretty rapid pace. Um, You, you, and you kind of threw out some of the seeds of what you were going to do with this, with what you're about to do. Uh, a while back, but you yeah. were, you were always kind of waiting for that right moment. Right. Why was this a right moment? Oh, well, and they, what is it you're doing too? Because we haven't yeah, really yeah, talked yeah. about that. So, well, they decided to pay me to leave, so that, that helped. <laughs> That's oh, yes, okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they offered a buyout. Uh, so I, it, to me, it seemed like I was really a little before. You're correct. I was really going to probably wait another year or two to get the fundraising we had right. raised. Raised about two hundred thousand, but I really wanted to have more money in hand before we, you know, open right. for business. So that, and then got the ProPublica grant to be able to work on a project with them this year, right. and that's kind of the main thing I'm doing this year. And then the center will be doing some other projects as well. And you're gonna, it's gonna be based where? Based right here in Jackson, um, and so we're we're it's investigative reporting. We want to expose, you know darkness shine a light right into, into that darkness and 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 provide that i think investigative reporting is important for democracy so basically what you're going to be doing is you're going to uh provide resources and yes. and news stories to maybe yes. newsrooms that have been cut that don't have yes. their version of you anymore because exactly. maybe they got laid off 10 years ago or whatever the case is so i mean that on yeah, paper we're providing all this free of charge. You know, really? the idea is, at least initially, what we're going to try and do is we're trying to list, uh, you know, like we've enlisted the Clarion Ledger, Mississippi mm-hmm. Today, and other newsrooms, uh, MPB, uh, and others who are um, going to work with us on these projects right. initially. And then once we get our funding up a little more, we'll have a, a staff, you know, will it be, you know, beyond me. And uh, Debbie Skipper's working with us too, and so we'll try to have a, a you know full, and then and of course what we're trying to do is is get the you know we're we're not trying to make money off that like we're providing this free of charge right to like you said newspapers and others across the state so that they can use the content in whatever they desire. Oh, you you mentioned uh, what you're doing this year, and of course that'll be a lot of you doing yeah. the work. But I can see you probably being a kind of a mentor role and kind of yeah. a teaching role as time goes on too. Well, the other thing we want to do is we want to have um, interns yeah. and, and fellows. So like a one-year fellow, you know, people that would come in, let's say grad students or something like that would come in from um, – various universities and, and work, you know, work with us for the year. And then, 
uh, have interns that maybe come in and work for the summer and others like that. And that, that's exactly what we want to do because what we want to do is train the next generation investigative reporters. Well, I mean, here we live in this era, era of what, quote unquote, fake news, which I don't believe in, but that's fine. <laughs> um, I know it for I mean, I see it for what it is. But the bottom line is you're going to be helping getting out people that are trained up yes. to be able to do the kind of work that really, honestly, a lot of politicians kind of wish you weren't doing. Yeah, well, I think it's important. I think we, we as journalists, what we do is extremely important, and we need, we need good journalism. Right. I, and I would hope everybody would recognize that. It's not a, it's not a conservative liberal issue. It's right. not a Democratic-Republican issue. It, it's just a matter of just we need it for, for our government to function correctly because we don't know what our federal government or our state government or our local government is really doing, right? then they can operate in darkness, and that's not a good thing. As they say about sunshine, it's the best disinfectant of, of all. It is. Yeah, definitely. And the ProPublica part, to go back to, they, yeah. pick, they pick 14 newsrooms, so yeah. you, were, you were one of them. I and, was and, one of them. So that's pretty brand impressive. Brand new, brand, you know, I was, I'm pleased that, uh, in fact, I'm meeting with my editor. He's flying in next week, and so. Who's your editor? Uh, Charlie Ornstein is okay. the editor of ProPublica. Oh, from Public. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah. coming in. Oh, great. Okay. Um, your co-founder, Ian, talk about him a little bit. Ian Isaacs, he's yeah. a former hedge fund manager, and he's uh, basically out there. He, he he's well, connecting like us the fundraising with money. part will be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he helped to do the one at Cal Berkeley. So okay. um, the investigative reporting program there at Cal Berkeley helped to raise the millions for that program. So uh, hoping to to do that for this, and then hopefully it's a model for others as well. But that's brilliant for you because that allows you to do what you do and not exactly. have to worry about going around and beating the bushes for money. Exactly. Which I don't think anybody likes doing unless it's no. him, and he sounds pretty darn good at it. So yeah, exactly. How did, how did you two meet? We met at a retreat for investigative reporting uh, way up in upstate New York. The, there was kind of a gathering that kind of got invited. These investigative reporters from around the country and editors from around the country got invited to this gathering. And, and I was one of the few kind of non-journalist types there, yeah. and he, but he was interested in this. So. Right. Well, I tell you what, it's time for our final break, and when we return, we'll continue talking with Jerry Mitchell Thanks. and find out what's what's next with him. Uh, you still have time to be part of the conversation. If you want to give us a call, it's 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464, or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. So don't go far. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. MPB listeners pay attention to quality. They look for quality in their work and their daily lives. If your business cares about quality customers, look to MPB. Go to mpbonline.org underwriting for more information. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I've got... Really a great guest today, a friend of mine, worked with him for years. You've probably heard his name because he's really made, talk about somebody who's moved the needle in Mississippi. And, and I think that's about as nice a compliment as I can give him. That he's actually a pretty humble guy, surprisingly, because uh, he's, Lord knows, his resume's length of my leg. Uh, we've got, of course, national award-winning investigative reporter, author, entrepreneur, Jerry yeah. Mitchell, and screenwriter. 
Yeah, yeah you were yeah. telling me to talk about your screenplay. Well, you don't have to because you've been you and I've been talking about this for what eighteen years. When are you yeah. gonna get the thing finished? Good yeah, grief, that in your book. Yeah, well, I can talk about both. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about the book first, then I'll talk about the other. Um, so the uh, I've written a book called Race Against Time, mm-hmm. and it's we're, I think we're about the fourth edit, something like that. But hopefully out in early 2020, possibly, oh, possibly out maybe slightly before that. But that's that's the plan at this point. Yeah, because you've been bouncing back and forth on the edits. I'm really looking forward to reading that. Yeah, yeah. I hope I hope everybody enjoys it. It's really written more like a it's it's first person. It's a memoir, yeah. but it's really so it's a lot written. of stories you've been hearing today. Exactly, yeah. and they'll be in there, and and hopefully it's like a detective story. That's really kind of the way I wrote it. Well, that's kind of what you've been doing over, over yeah. the years, kind of like yeah. a detective that so just just without the pay. Yeah, just exactly. <laughs> And just kind of follow me on the journey. Yeah, that, that's kind yeah. of the idea behind it. Uh, screenwriting. I mean, what got you into that? I actually got into screenwriting before. Um, right after, I, even before, while I was still in college, I guess. But I, I went out to, right after I got out of college, I went and took a course in screenwriting at USC, of all things. Really? Yeah. And and really liked it. And, and kind of that taught me the form and, you know, yeah. how, how all these kind of things. Um, yeah. And so I'd always had these various ideas for screenplays and stuff like that. And anyway, I have a co-writer's name, Mike Roden, who's Mike's very talented, is a better writer than I am actually. And so we kind of decided we're college buddies and we decided to kind of, well, let's, there was one particular idea I had was, uh, in fact, I'll tell this story. This is kind of sure. fun is, so we wrote this kind of dark, uh, comedy, I guess you could call it satirical really uh screenplay for the first one that we did just totally fictional is the takeoff but it's fictional and so i i happen to know someone who knew eric roth you know mr mm-hmm. hollywood screenwriter uh you know who won the oscar for forrest gump and you know he's so talented he does like every big screenplay in hollywood so he was kind enough to read it and so we sent it to him and he read it and then he called me and said and I said, well, what, he told me he read it. And I said, well, what do you think about it? He says, I hated it. <laughs> and I said, well, was there anything at all that you liked about it? And he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> so so Mike and I decided to, we wanted it, we were thinking more seriously. We were thinking, you know, no movie had ever been made on Emmett Till. And we yeah. kind of thought about that. You know, we really should do the Emmett Till story. And really wanted to include Meg Revers in that story as well. Uh, as well as obviously Emma Till's mom, the kind of the story everybody knows, and so that's how we wrote it. And um, and then of course Eric Roth, I'm thinking Eric Roth again. I'm like, I don't know if I should send him this or I'm about not. To say, send let's him this. go back in and get whacked yeah. again. So I did. I sent it to him. Well, I first checked, make sure you read it, and he said, he said, yeah, I'll read it. And so I sent it to him, and I, you know, some weeks later, I got a. Actually, it was a message on my voicemail. It says, he said, uh, I just want to let you guys know that you've hit it out of the park. This is a fantastic wow. script. And I can get you, a, if you don't have an agent, I can get you an agent, CAA, and all this kind of stuff. And we're like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, this was 2004. Right. <laughs> um, and now it's uh, going to be a movie. So, what? Oh, really? I yeah, didn't realize yeah, it gotten that far. Is yeah, it, yeah, they're shooting. I mean, is there a deal or is it? They're actually oh, shooting. Yeah, no, so they're it's, actually shooting. Taraji P. Henson is playing Matilda's mom, and John Singleton is directing, and it's they're supposed to shoot this year. Okay. 
to. I mean, we'll see. But as far as I know, everything's on board to all... uh, Oscar-winning, Oscar-winning um, well, investigative journalist. Well, yeah, here's the go. other part of it. Here's the other section. Our screenplay is also being rewritten. So, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, but that's that's Hollywood. Yeah, and uh, I don't take. I got to get a car chase or two in there, right? Well, I think that you know, uh, you know, the orientation of it, I think, is, no, is, I is but still. Changed. But that's that's so cool. And number one, that you're telling, getting that story told. I think that's really yeah. Cool I too. think that was the most important thing exactly. to Mike and I is is that his story be told and uh because it i mean it just shocked me when mike and i really thought about the fact that no that it's the probably arguably the most important trial of 20th century yeah and there's never been a major hollywood movie on it that's kind of shocking let me ask you this and i think this is where we're both sitting right now in our careers and where we've looked we've been and where we're going um i think a lot of people are asking this question is journalism dying you know, no. In fact, it's more needed than ever. Right. Uh, I, I think with the shrinking newsrooms, I think that's why I've started the Mississippi Center for Investigative Reporting is really want to expand journalism, not instead of contracting it. And I think the nonprofit model so far has proved successful yeah. in being able to do that, being able to multiply journalism as opposed to watching it shrink. And I think that's that is the thing. I always tell people that it's just changing. Right, that, and and I think as a journalist, um, you are you need to change with it. You yeah, know? you just you, you, you just know. have to you know alter alter what you're doing with that. So well, let's think about truck driving school. Yeah, well, you well know, now they have self driving trucks, so that would be my yeah, luck. You know, right. I get in there and just, you <laughs> the know. Uber all of a sudden we got an Uber or whatever. But I Uber. but I but you're right. I think it's it's one of those things where um, you know obviously if you don't have journalists out there digging then people can take advantage of the system well they, they do i mean we, we we don't have to go very far for examples of that <laughs> true I chris mean, epps um yeah chris epps who you know, uh who uh took took millions in bribes and had a nice watch though wow I mean that's that's something, isn't it? To well, show up, to show up, and uh, I spoke to I spoke wow. to the Department of Corrections at an annual banquet. I spoke was their lunch speaker, and and you know you do a lot of that too too. Yeah, going I out too. There, and I love doing that. And um, I got um, a commissioner's award. Yeah, for for my honesty and integrity, and Chris presented it to me. Oh, I've yeah, got that I, sucker hanging on the wall. I've I'm proud one of, of that one. Exactly, one of the commissioner coins. Exactly, and I've got I've got a uh, someone gave me. I didn't have it was my my own, but. Uh, commissioner's Chris Epps Christmas party. And it was like a little, you know, ornament for your tree. Yeah. So you know, it's perfect. But that's the joy of doing what we do here, I love it. you know, cause we get those little things. Where, where are you going to be in five to 10 years? Oh, uh, well, I hope the center is up and running full staff and, mm-hmm. and we're able to, like I said, train these journalists, young journalists and, and, and move the needle in Mississippi and make a difference. I mean, I think, I think all Mississippians want honest government and, and, and yeah. don't want, government to operate no one wants a shadow government or right. a secret government and, and that's what the, the beauty of our of our government system is we want to operate and let people know what's really going on jerry thank you for coming in today and it, has been, it has been an honor and a pleasure to work with you and i oh, hope yeah. we get to work together in the future absolutely marshall that'd be Looking great to it. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us today and thank our special guest author and investigative reporter jerry mitchell for sharing his story with us if you missed part of the program and want to hear past episodes you can listen to the entire show on our podcast at mpbonline.org now you're talking this production of mpb think radio and is produced by the, the incredible amazing the wonderful the 
the fantastic Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy Health and Fitness with Josie Bidwell. And join us next week for another episode of Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.